It's time for Tuesday Terror, here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that all children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. Previously on HG World presents the Googies. How long does he have? Days now. His condition is accelerating. I don't understand. One of the byproducts of living among necroambulants is that most of the survivors developed a condition called Elder Syndrome. Eyes sharp to the right. Watch for the mountain face to fall away into a low sloping valley and you'll see a truck stop in Office Park just down the hill. Near the next off ramp. Got it. A truck stop. Are you sure it's safe? Sure as anything else. We saw it on our way south and marked it as a potential pull-off. Two kids down! Sarge, cover the gaps. We've got two of the children! Save them! They're gone! Joanna! Broden! Kylie, Michael, Jude, West, Becky, just today, who will we lose tomorrow? Found a map to the amusement park in a dead man's pocket. I really hate to be a douche, but uh, I've got less than 36 hours to get back to Mockway. You're not a douche, Kenneth. We still think of you as an amiable jackass. Thanks. General Yang is a douche. Roger that. Well, let's see here. Slim Shimmer's amusement park and racetrack. A hundred acres of good, clean Christian fun. So, how do we get into this kingdom of heaven? Blow a hole through the fence? Skydive? Hey, there's a ski lift or sky ride about 100 yards along the ridge. Affirmative. <laughs> it's called the Rapture. The loading platform is boarded up. Not surprising. It runs down the mountain, then over the fences and the Trail of Triumph train tracks. And now, HG World presents the Googies. Chapter 9. Shearer. Yeah, boss? Front and center, young man. Shut the door. I'm reviewing your series on Ken Peters and the Googies. I just finished cutting down the last interview session. Getting ready to mix the narrative this morning. And it will make an excellent podcast for sweeps. Zombies are huge again since the flare-up near Denver. NPP is running specials on Todd Rage, the Garrison Foundation, and the Happy Valley Militia, but nobody else got Ken Peters. And nobody else will, either. That's just great work. I was just in the right place at the right time, Mr. Mayberry. Megan picked the wrong time to go off and get pregnant, let me tell you. This stuff about fat zombie terrorists is gold. NPP is going to shit bricks when they hear it. And it goes against everything in the history books. The zombie cult, the brotherhood. 
Did he have any evidence of this at all? He told me about a stash up in New York and showed me a few documents. I haven't been able to verify anything he said on tape to meet moderator's standards of citation and evidence. I was hoping that before we went live with it, I could go out to the Mockway site and verify a few things he told me in confidence. Uh Uh-uh. We need to get this last bit cut together as soon as possible to counter-program NPP and before the last of the funerals in Denver. After that, no one's going to give a rip. They'll be back to identity theft holosex stories and we'll get swallowed by the prime minister elections. But sir, I need to verify the information for the show. It's what substantiates all the wild claims. I know Mr. Peters comes off a little crazy. I need to show the resource materials. Go to Ken's keep and scan all the documents he gave me. The man had a ton of analog material that I think will change the history books. It'll be like when they proved the T-Rex had feathers. Whoa there, Mencken. We're not changing the world. We're just reporting on a small part of it and putting on a show. If there's evidence, we can spread it out over the next few months. Keep the message boards jumping and fire up the flames. You know NPP will shoot us down. They'll claim everything we're doing is yellow tabloid nonsense. They might even suggest we be brought up for review under the Fox News Act. Oh, you're right. I didn't think of that. I forgot that you're the editor and I'm the guy paid to deliver the story. Or... Do I have Elder Syndrome too, like Ken Peters? I must, because I think this is my office, and I think I just mentioned how lucky you were to get this choice assignment. I'm not giving you a month to wrap up what needs to be live online in a week. (sighs) Look, Mark, I know you want to shine right out of the box. Your educational programming eats a lot of bandwidth and has an active friends list, but, but, this is prime time. I need that crazy old man online. So, get back to your workstation and cut me a podcast that will bring us hits and advertising. You do that. You tell the story. And I'll make you ready for prime time, kiddo. Kiddo. Yeah, I'll make it happen. I know you will. Well done, Mark. The world is mourning the passing of one of the last heroes of the zombie war. Freedom fighter Kenneth Herbie Peters passed away Sunday morning. Peters, one-time member of the Happy Valley Militia, was responsible for hundreds of... (sighs) Okay. Let's get back to the conversation. Voice comm begin. Voice command, input active. Continue narrative track. Mono. Standard resolution, standard filters. Begin recording. I was surprised that Ken Peters instructed his doctors and nurses to allow me access to him in his final days. In the week I spent at his home in New England, I watched him... Pause recording. Replace last sentence. Begin recording. In the week I spent at his home in New England, I got to know the man underneath any pretense. 
I've interviewed people who live and die by their image and stress over the slightest imperfection. I hate to say that's what I thought of Ken Peters at first, because he had all the signs of the cranky old man who is at liberty to be angry with the world. Maybe he even tried to present something of that image himself. But as the week went on, I realized that he didn't have a lot of time left, and his priorities shifted from putting on a show to telling me what he needed to tell me, and in turn, tell the world. Toward the end, when they started amping up his morphine, I didn't get a lot out of him directly. In his final 48 hours, Ken Peters was wired up and full of tubes delivering and removing fluids. He had moments of lucidity where I could ask a broad question, and by the time I was done asking, the painkillers would be working their magic, and I'd watch Ken Peters slide backward in time inside his own mind. Stop recording. File insert. Peters interview, index day 8, time code 153202. Anchor to end of track 1 time code. Overlay narrative 326. Playback real time. When I arrived for our final day together, Peters was already sedated, staring out the bay windows of his bedroom into the distant trees and out toward his own distant, invisible horizon. We're getting to the end now, kid. Filling in the gaps. I think that's what this world's been missing, you know? I think the taste of that time has been washed away by a lot of goddamn good intentions. Anytime you're ready, Ken. Oh, there's a big edit in my memory. A chunk of video pulled out between the time I got inside the camp and, and me being on the road. My record skips a few grooves, kid. The skip's been there so long, you think it's part of the song. One minute I'm hanging a hundred feet off the amusement park grounds, and the next I'm running through the rain with blood running down my face, with crushed glass in my boots. Sorry. Let me back up. Slim Shimmers Park, right? Yeah. Like I told you, or, or maybe I did not. Slim Shimmer's Family Fun Park was this little Christian retreat with carny rides and not-so-subtle religious overtones. The only way in for us was the sky ride because the perimeter fence and gate were lousy with eaters. They were inside the fences, too. But something weird about that didn't hit me till I was inside the main building. Some of the eaters were leashed like dogs to stakes in the ground. They just, they just wandered in circles at the edge of the leather. Some were slumped or prone because they were too weak to crawl anymore. When they heard the rapture tram groan into motion above them, they got a little antsy and vocal. 
Sergeant Joe held off the eaters while we loaded up six cars from the platform at the top of the hill outside the park. When we got the 25 or 26 kids off onto the cable, they both took off to hide while the eaters swarmed the platform. We rode over the cable a quarter mile downhill, about a hundred feet up in the air over a bunch of hungry eaters. In my car, I was chaperoned to a half dozen twitchy little ankle biters. Uh, uh, kids. Yeah, well, that's what my Uncle Walt used to call the little brats who ran through his shop after school. Yeah, well, let's see. Still, it wasn't all bad. You know, clear skies, fresh air. If not for the kids keeping up the nervous chatter, I might have had a nice nap. Uh-oh. Grant invoked rank. That's not good. Go ahead, Major. Permission to throw dickhead over the side. <laughs> and why would you want to egress, Mr. Yang, Mr. Grant? General principal, sir. <sighs> not yet. While Dr. Vesta supports your idea, we may need his keen intellect and dazzling social skills when we greet our hosts. <laughs> Keep sharp for any sign of hostility. Like if I start screaming when we get inside the unloading area up ahead. Understood. Sarge signals she's going to the high ground and trying to secure the 972. How about those eaters inside the perimeter? I thought this place was secured. We'll deal with all that in a bit. Heading into the dark, spooky place. We get his act. Well, so much for going back where we came from. Looks like the loading area is full of eaters. Uh, hope Joe got out of there. Mister, why did we stop? I don't know, kid. I think they're probably trading secret handshakes and making sure we're not infected. I'm scared. I don't want to fall. You're not going to fall, kid. Uh, I know how you feel, though. But they can't get us. If we stay quiet, they'll wander off. Is my mom and dad in there? In the amusement park? Uh, probably not, kid. There's daddies outside. I don't want to go inside that place. The daddies will be in there, too. Nah. We heard from the people who run this place. They're safe. You'll be safe, too. I promise. I promise is something someone says before they die or run away. <laughs> Man, I thought I was cynical. Look, guys, we didn't make it all this way for no reason. It wasn't luck. You guys were brave and you kept your heads. A lot of other kids weren't so lucky, so you gotta keep it up and keep it together, okay? See those guys up there in the car ahead of us? Grant and the other guy? The general. I hate him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Want to know something? I'm not a big fan of General Ying, either. But all of them did a good job getting you here. Not all of us. Yeah, well, 
Dr. Vesta and Joe McGinnis, they're all doing this to get you somewhere safe. So I know you're scared. Ain't scared. Just don't trust nobody. Hate to say it, kid. I don't blame you. Not for nothing, though. I try to keep an open mind. Trust, I say, but verify. Keep your eyes open. Find that inner bullshit detector and turn it on. What's a bullshit detector? What's a bullshit detector? It's a sort of psychic tingle. Like Spider-Man's danger sense. You do know Spider-Man, right? Of course. I minored in American mythology. (laughs) Of course you did, pumpkin. It's that cynical little voice that makes you second-guess yourself a half-second after you are irrevocably committed to a decision. It's the smile of someone who likes you just a little too much. Shakes your hand a little too long. I'm a journalist, Mr. Peters. I get that a lot. We just call it common sense. Well, in my day, that sort of thing wasn't so common. One thing I like about your generation is that you don't take what you get as rope. A man's word means something again, because your parents had to contend with a lot of dishonest, dishonorable fuckers out there on the road. Which brings me to the next diabolical fuckhead I met out there inside Slim Shimmer's house of fun. I had no idea they had their hands in all the medical research the UN had been doing up until the collapse. General Order One. Genetic inoculation and eugenics. Guji. Fucking Gujis were the remnants of all the best drug labs, the CDC, the World Health Organization, all wrapped up in a lunatic cult, whatchamacallit, a, a, yeah, a floured tortilla. Yeah, like a big, crazy medical burrito. Yeah. I don't know what I was expecting from this place, but it was brilliant putting it inside an amusement park. Outside, they let the dead walk along the paths and wander the midways. It kept the crowds outside the gate from swelling and dissuaded refugees from trying to get inside. The most brilliant piece of this sick little strategy was that this Slim Shimmer's Christian amusement park wasn't just a research station and refugee camp. No, it was a farm. The park itself was a pasture for their livestock. The walking dead. I decided to keep an eye on Dr. Vesta while her would-be boyfriend got interrogated by the geek squad. She seemed to know where she was going, looked confident enough, but didn't seem to mind me tagging along, especially with the Tech-9 strapped to my shoulder. They didn't disarm you? (laughs) The twerps in lab coats saw my Machway badges and tags, so they waved me through. My understanding was that McGinnis and Grant were suspect, 
because they came across Ying's old camp and raised all kinds of holy hell. <laughs> they were not of the body, you might say. Eventually, you know, the local brain trust realized they needed the muscle. And Mickey and Grant became real friends to these folks. But there were some tense moments, too. Anyway, I followed the dock down into the access tunnels that ran under the park. The ones used to resupply shops and restaurants without putting a bunch of trash bins and trolleys up on the park streets. We wound up in some sort of medical bay. Cleaner than the tin can Doc described living in, and a hell of a sight better than the titty bar we holed up in the night before. Vesta recognized the big black guy staring the hell out of a computer terminal. White lab coat, big glasses, a week's worth of beard, a dirty New York Jets cap on his head. He struck me as a guy trying really hard to look smarter than he was. Like a guy better suited to beating the shit out of smaller guys trying to take his spot on the work truck. His name, if I remember right, was... Dr. Van Hawkins. Dr. Vesta. I'm sorry to hear about your sight. For the civilians, I mean. Please bear with me. I've got a lot of paperwork to wrap up in very short order. Can you believe it? It's the end of the damn world, and I still have to file reports on the most ridiculously unimportant matters. Yes, well, this is Mr. Peters. Ken. Welcome. You a scientist as well? No, I'm a driver and part-time babysitter. Good to know. We could use someone good with kids. Not sure how good I am. I hope I don't have to turn pro. A place for all, and all in their place. Welcome, Ken. There. Another ten minutes of explanation distilled into three hours of big words and scary numbers. Now, how are you both? We've had quite a journey. I wish I could tell you I saved significant research, Doctor. Would it surprise you at all that we're all working on roughly the same things? The leadership expected something like what happened to your site somewhere in the system. So I have a lot of your work backed up for you. Test on pregnant women, healthy ones, infected, necroambulates in utero, all sorts of familiar reading. The only difference might be the font choice in the reports. Did you complete the gestation transmission figures? I only have a rough trial time of 40 minutes from the infection of the mother until the fetus is likewise infected. That's about what we have too. And this tells us what exactly? What is our next step? I thought you were working a step ahead of us on how to extend that period, or... Not my orders, Doctor. But keep your chin up. We have a lot more Frankensteinian projects to keep you busy here. I was wondering if there was a place for me here. Of course. Despite my organized, cool appearance, I really could use the help. No one else has stepped up since Dr. Logan became... incapacitated. What about the children? We have a place for the infected and uninfected alike. Blast. Ah, I have to submit the compliment report. I wonder if I should include you all... Ah, never mind. Next week. Anyway, I hope we don't have too many of the former. Children, I mean. 
Not a lot of dead kids, I hope. No. How long have you been here, Mr. Van Hawkins? Let's see. About a week shy of forever, as of next Tuesday. Would you like something to eat? No, thank you. I'm curious if you've heard from Makway recently. I have not. We've been so busy getting ready for winter, I didn't realize our weekly check-in was overdue. I was about to give him a call and give him my Christmas list. Why? There seems to have been a development. That is as vague a statement as I've ever heard, Doctor. What sort of development seems to have been? Mr. Peters informs us that the Brotherhood has split into two camps, one in support of civilian leaders and another that is following a new shepherd. Whoa. I told you about some weird stuff going on at the top of the mountain. You interpret that as you like. I better go get Joe, and she'll tell you all about it. Joe? What would that whore know about the project? Did you know she worked there for a while as a sister? She recruited me. Recruited you? What the hell are you talking about? Well, a schism certainly would account for the lack of communication. Is this why you brought your young ones here instead of driving straight back? Yes, because that ain't no place for kids. Especially now that the leaders are all walking, talking eaters who can do more than just stagger around and bite. Ah. So that worked out. What worked out? When I left, the elders had agreed to transfuse the blood of Reverend Savini into a host in order to... Reverend Savini? What does he have to do with anything? Oh, that's right. You left before the Reverend managed to earn a place of power. Yes, Savini died. But he kept preaching. He was infected, and his supporters refused to put a bullet in his head when he expired. They actually protected him in that tower on the top of Mockway Mountain. And three days later, he walked out, dead and talking. He didn't try to eat anyone. When I left, he was just a bit of religious nonsense. He was infected, but just wouldn't expire. He kept walking about, getting food from some of the locals who didn't freak out about him. His followers? They gave up their own blood to sustain him. In exchange, Savini gave them something the local government couldn't. Hope. You can imagine how a man of God coming back after three days dead, preaching peace, love, and understanding, could be a persuasive force in local politics. Making the existing leadership much like the Pharisees. I don't even think people consider the analogy that far. But the Reverend, he managed to convince the Brignacs, myself included, that his blood was different. A new generation that was not a disease, but a life form that had grown with each generation of infection. He claimed that his strain showed him visions of itself dating back to patient zero in Asia about five years ago and further. You take the word of raving infected lunatics. When they recite details from confidential patient files and about seven other impossible things? Yeah, I tend to take some heed. He's right. I've seen this. You have? A few generations down the line, yeah. There's this big chamber, and a bunch of pasty naked fat guys are all trying to be worthy enough to get an infection injection from the Shepherd Gourmand, he said his name was. 
I watched it happen. And you realize that what you just said makes absolutely no sense, right? It's what you're talking about. Savini's blood. That makes perfect sense. If the infection outlives the body, how can the infection survive and continue teaching the gospel? Put it in... A new body? Dr. Hawkins? Hmm. All this research about natural resistance to the infection. Perhaps, instead of looking for key defenses, the Mockery researchers are looking for more receptive candidates. A more compatible type of host. Like I said, none of that makes any sense. We're supposed to be fighting the infection. Actually, Dr. Vesta, there's probably something you should see. Keep in mind, the important thing is that we have the room and the supplies to support your children. We needed some new blood, so to speak. What is it you're working on here? Surviving, frankly. I haven't done any hard research in months. We had an outbreak of chickenpox, widespread food poisoning, three appendectomies in as many weeks. Am I any closer to that mythical cure? No. But we're all healthier mice in a cage. And here I am at the wheel again. How can I help? You can't convince your friends to sign on as our security force. You can urge them to go on and get out of here. Then, you and I can work on how to catch up on 60 pages of research that Montcastle wanted me to do on the necroambulance. Which necroambulance? What the hell? Meet our lucky contestants. Rocco, Polo, and Solo. Looks like Quarlo there didn't survive the last round. You're still experimenting on Etis? Inside the fences? Of course. I'm not going to experiment on them in the wild. I take it that you weren't working on anything like this? No. Nothing like this. Dr. Mavis, would you have someone dispose of Mr. Quarlo there and find me a Mr. or Miss Torgo? Dr. Vesta, you seem uneasy. Rest assured, we're quite safe in here. No, I'm sure we are, but these subjects, they're all children. Teenagers, but yes. Accelerates the results. Where did you get them? There's a catalog over by my computer. They offer free shipping if you buy them in packs of six. Where do you think I get them, Doctor? Outside the fences. We're ten minutes from a college town. I can trap and transport any number of undergraduate cadavers I need. From what I hear about your old camp, that would be more than just a scientific attraction. I've got to get back there. Why? Hold on one moment. Wait. You're saying that's a surviving scientific community. Entrusted with the eradication of this infection, the same group that has been tasking us with doping and testing living beings in the hope that their sacrifice might save lives has been using our research to... to do what, exactly? You know, until just now, I never really stopped to consider that. Funny. They're perfecting their relationship with their infection taking on the memories and abilities of each new generation. And you people have been feeding the Guji's info on living people. I've got to get out of here. 
What did Dr. Montcastle say about this? Brother Montcastle thought it would represent an opportunity to learn about this infection. Savini was able to provide valuable data to me and the others. When his body got too weak to communicate, he asked for a volunteer to carry out his work. Some idiot ex-ranger was willing to take some of Savini's blood, and I thought that would be very bad. Apparently, I was right. I took a job out here and thought things worked out, since we kept getting supplies and orders each week. You seem rather calm and rational about this. I might want to give Montcastle a call. Montcastle left the camp. Weeks ago by now. He ran off after killing one of the brothers in front of me and Joe. Hmm. Maybe he suffered a lapse of faith himself. Unbelievable. You're welcome to leave at any time, Mr. Peters. I don't doubt that you know more about us than you let on. I don't know why you're here, but you were very intent on seeing my lab, and you were very clear about your knowledge of the Brotherhood. You're here for a reason you may or may not realize. Either way, you pose a danger to everyone here. No fight for me. I guess you wouldn't believe me if I told you we had to go there and stop them. I mean now, before they run out of flesh and take their show on the road. Mr. Peters, take some ammunition, some food, and go. We have to protect our children here and our people. Dr. Vesta? We came all this way, through so much. Uh, I see. There's that cold facade you put on when you know you're doing something wrong but don't want to own up to it. Oh, fine. Do me a favor. When you talk to the big blob, pretend I was never here. Give me that much of an advantage. Dr. Hawkins, subject T has been introduced to the testing environment. Thank you, Barbara. Would you mind getting someone from our headquarters on the line? I have some urgent questions. Of course, Doctor. Dr. Vesta? Excuse me, Doctor. I'll be back in a moment. Of course. And you, Subject T, I dub thee Torgo. What must our masters have in store for us, I wonder? We'd come all that way, looking for hope. In hindsight, I guess we should have suspected all this was a big bag of chipmunk dink. Like everything else, the powers in charge screwed it up, lost sight of the goal, and when they were gone, their bodies kept churning out data, processing information, doing what it was supposed to, despite being technically dead. So unholy acts became practice, then revered tradition. Ever wander into a lab where dead children were being cut up and injected with industrial chemicals? Ah, yeah. Can you pause that thing a minute? I, uh, yeah. Record transitional narrative. The historical records have very little on Reverend Savini, most from the refugee databases and folklore of the period. Savini represents, to some, an advocate for the form of life taking over the human body at that time, 
Savini was a minister of an unspecified church, but was thought to be either leader of his own evangelical order or a pastiche of different preachers common to refugee camps of the time. Savini's point was to remove fear of a disease by replacing it with the idea that it was an intelligent form of life sent by God to enhance the human condition and bring about symbiosis between its kind and ours. A group of refugees in the Mokwe refugee camp were convinced of at least its potential when Savini was infected, but did not turn into a mindless monster upon his death weeks later. The story goes that scientists and refugees were able to speak with Savini and, in a way, the infection itself. Savini could walk around freely, speak as he did in life, and continue to preach to the refugees. Those who feared for the safety of the refugee community soon moved to destroy Savini, but they were put down by a newly formed brotherhood of followers. Here, for the first time ever, is an excerpt from an MP3 recording of Reverend Savini, found in the archives. End recording. Insert Savini1.mp3 and playback real time. Friends. If you asked a child to explain the universe, what would he tell you? Would he say that it was a gulf of lonely space, interrupted by tiny embers burning in an airless ever night? Would the child understand the great dark, calculate the infinite, speak to the incalculable depths and span of time? (laughs) Would a child accept a universe where new answers only spawn more questions? Or would he reach up into the heavens with his heart and make up an answer? Perhaps it's all the work of some fatherly spaceman, a god to make sense of it all. That is as it has been, my friends. We were children once, but no more. So too the time for invisible gods is at an end. It is time to embrace the truth. Until I saw the truth, I would have told you that the dead walk among us because there is no more room in hell. Some of you would be quick to agree that this must be hell. But I know the truth. And the truth is simultaneously terrifying and beautiful. It lives within me. I live with the so-called infection, and it speaks to me. It shows me such wonderful sights. And I now understand what... (sighs) Now, don't be afraid. I come not to infect you, but to inform you. I am alive because of my understanding and my my fellowship with what lives within me. No, you did not misunderstand me, friends. Books must be rewritten, sermons rewritten with a new gospel, my friends. Know that I endure despite my exposure to the truth. The pain and sorrows of death enveloped me. And the flames of hell got a hold upon me, and I found trouble and sorrow. Like many of you, I watched a pestilence come and burn my world to ash. One day, I felt its sting in the fire, like crushed glass rushing through my veins. And I fell upon my knees, 
cried out in the name of my God, O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. But it was not God that answered me. It was the new life within me, given voice. I saw beyond my own life, back through the memories of others, dozens of souls exposed but lost to the truth in earlier days. I, I saw the life of the child who had given the truth unto me. At first it was disorienting, like standing in a room of mirrors, seeing other faces reflected back at me. But it was illuminating as well I, to see the lives touched by this, this gift how it learned and changed in the hope of understanding what we are to bond with us instead of destroying us. Oh, I feel so blessed. And here we are. New life. Oh, I wish that for you as well, my dear friends. Is it not so, my friends? My eyes hold no tears. My heart harbors no pain or hate. My blood does not flow, yet my mind is free and full. It can be the same for you. You need not die. You need not go away and leave yourself to hunt the living. Shut up, you sick. Come with me, with us, the brotherhood of the unified flesh. Come with us. Playback Peter's interview, third cut link, real time. Ken, are you okay? Do you need to stop? I don't have a lot of time left, Mark. And what you're hearing ain't the regularly accepted story. Thinking eaters? No. Running, thinking, reproducing, dreaming eaters. Floating across the lake. What? Oh, sorry, kid. You know, every time I think the eaters are the bad guys, somebody does something to remind me that human beings are the biggest bunch of batshit crazy assholes possible. An eater is simple. It is what it is. And it eats. It breeds. It doesn't quote poetry to get you to think like him or pretend like it knows better than anyone else what has to be done because some clown convinced him some magic elf in the sky made him the next hipster Jesus or whatever. I'm not sure where there's a mental state that would prepare someone for that kind of thing. Where you walk into a room and find little plexiglass prison cells with eaters inside. Not a scrap of cloth between the lot of them. They weren't dirty outdoor walkers, either. These were clean ones. I don't think Vesta realized she was in a converted kennel. And when she did, other things were top of her priorities. Palomani! Were you able to raise Central Headquarters? I'd like to confirm or deny some of the things I've been hearing. Not on the medical channel. I was about to try the 911 frequency and the chat protocol. Do it. I need to know how much, if any, of what they're saying is accurate. 
Hello, is someone receiving? Hello. Central, this is Barbara Saraswatsi, Site Beta Medical Office. this please? Oh, let's see. Site Beta Medical. Barbara. I am Brother Archer. How may I serve you today? What's his problem? What is your current situation? I see. Military types. Are you sure you did not see anything out of the ordinary? I see things out of the ordinary all the time. You need to be more specific. Come meet me in person to find out, Brother Archer. Fair enough. Perhaps I will. I need to leave this dusty place and come see the sweet meat that lives there. But be safe. Watch the skies. Make no mistake. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Well, perhaps they're handing out the happy drugs. Nothing more than General Ying on a typical night. A lecherous drunk. He did not sound drunk. He sounded hungry. That's what we're up against, kids. Seriously. Intelligent eaters. Mr. Peters. I thought you were on your way off to save the world. I wanted to stick around long enough to hear what you really think. I'm surprised you didn't sell me out. Maybe. We knew you were there the whole time. Enough of this, please. Why, Kenneth? Why on earth would you want to go back there? Do you want to let them escape into the countryside? We have a chance to stop them there. God help us when their food runs out. We have too much work to do. They may be able to point us in the right direction. We're reading too much into Brother Archer's demeanor. Are you shitting me? No, but they likely will if you go up there to confront them. You've both been in the hostile wild for a long, long time. You need time to rest, refuel, and renew. You've run long enough, Kenny. You've run so long and so hard. That didn't happen. What? That didn't happen. No, Joe. Christ, I didn't forget about you. Uh, well, well, I'm getting there. Time is short. But the end is near. In more ways than one, my dear. <coughs> Are you talking to Joe?
Uh, it's been here a while, boy. She likes the patio overlooking the trees. That's where her daughter plays. They can never be together, you know. But from there, Joe can watch little Skya dance among the trees. I think we're done here, Ken. Oh, no. You park your ass, sunshine. Joe was telling me the same thing. Don't listen to her, kid. She is an excellent mindfucker. What the hell is that? Skipping grooves, Kenneth? What? Move, we're under attack. How the hell? Where am I? Where's the dock? You took a blow to the head. You have to keep moving. Grooves on a record. Things exploding. For a second, I thought I was on top of some great castle. Looking out at a siege in progress. Terrible dragons breathing firebolts of lightning. Volleys of arrows. Then through the swelling and blurring, I made out the usual suspects peering out through gaps in the stone. I fell down on a stack of rough shingles and tried to get my shit together. Who are they, Yang? Do I know every nut job with a rocket launcher and an RV? Only the ones with inflatable girlfriends. Damn it. Silicone. And that thing saved your lives. Don't forget. We've got to stop them. They're going to take down the fences to get in. No, they'll stop and tell us to open the gates. They don't want to kill us. Well... They want to kill a few of us to make a point. But they need defenses too. Right now, the eaters are to our advantage. They're providing a shield for most of the small arms. Looks like there's enough free-roaming eaters to put stress on the fences. That's where they're concentrating their direct fire. To keep the fencing up. I'm more worried about the rockets. We've got months of work down in the hole. Well, you're welcome to grab a bullhorn and tell them all that. Maybe they'll stop shelling. How many people do you have on security? I've got 15 men hanging out through the underground tunnels. I've already lost contact with three. I think that the tunnels might be... Incoming! Grant, rendezvous code go? Negative, boss. Let's wait for Act 2 and we hear from them. Doctor, we have wounded in the barracks. Building 2 was hit. Three men down and the building is compromised. The dead will keep the eaters occupied. Get the rest out of there. There's a fire blocking the other exit. They can't get out. Right, you. Me? Get ready to receive wounded. Dr. Vesta, you know the drill. Got it. Peters? Yeah? You steady enough to cover us? No. But I'm steady enough to go with you. I'll cover from here, boss. I'll take any three steel-bodied and suicidal hooligans you can spare to run across the lawn. Weapons experience a plus. Hey, you! Pumpkin face, sweat job, and mongo! Yeah, you! Front and center! You want to live forever? Really? Now i got a queen song stuck in my head. Right. We keep rifles and axes by the emergency door downstairs. Listen close, my lovelies. 
with uh, how many people? I don't know, 60? 60 people counting on us. You lot grab as many arms as you can comfortably carry. Barracks B is here on the tourist map. We're going to sprint up Resurrection Road to the rolling rapture ride. Turn right and follow the Holy Ghost through the gardens of Gethsemane. Keep sharp in there. Nasties can be hiding in the olive grove and not of the Roman variety. By the way, hello. I'm your temporary commander, Neil McInnes. And I hope not to get any of you killed. If you follow me and don't screw up too much, first round's on General Ying here. Very funny. What can I do? I'll need you here with me to, God help me, negotiate with these clowns once they stop pounding the complex. Right, rendezvous barracks B. Watch each other's backs. Fly with me, my silent angels. Dr. Vesta, we plan for the triage in the next building over. We can reach it through the underground. But I'll need your help setting up. Barbara? Yes, Doctor. How is the motor pool? I haven't heard a status report from them, but there was another report of smoke from that building. Come on, Doctor, we need to get ready. Of all the stupid things I've ever done, this was up there with... Well, I'll get to that. The Gujis Chapter 9 starred James Baxter as Ken and Brian Lincoln as Mark, featuring Ayub Cody as McInnes, Michael L. Stokes as Grant, Laura Nicole as Dr. Vesta, M. Sierra Garcia as Sarge, and Ron Runeborg as Ying. Featuring Orenthal Hawkins as Dr. Van Hawkins and Julie Hoverson as Barbara. With Brian Lincoln, Adam Lincoln, and Kathy Bowler as kids' voices. And special guest Jim Crutt as Brother Savini. The episode was written by Jay Smith. Show running and editing by Brian Lincoln. Sound effects, sound design, mixing, and mastering by Michael L. Stokes. Musical direction by Michael L. Stokes, featuring original music by Michael L. Stokes and Kevin McLeod, used courtesy of the Creative Commons license. HG World is a production of 3015 North Studios, with content used with permission under the Creative Commons license. For more information on this production, visit us online at www.goodmorningsurvivors.com or join our Facebook page, or follow Todd Rage on Twitter at HG underscore world. Chauncey Haworth, Mark Slade, and Lothar Tuppen. The demented minds behind the Twisted Pulp Radio Hour bring you... Twisted Pulp Magazine. A journey beyond surreality to worlds you never knew or hoped existed. Worlds of the supernatural. Worlds of dark satire. Worlds of nightmarish futures. Twisted Pulp Magazine. 
If you thought the 21st century was weird enough already, think again. Twisted Pulp Magazine. A step beyond your grandfather's pulp. Available at digitalvaudeville.com. That's D-I-G-I-T-A-L-V-A-U-D-E-V-I-L-L-E dot com. Music